WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. We're going to take a trip right now. Like we always do about this time. This is a journey into sound. I'm Kyle Long from Nouveau News Weekly, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto, made possible in part by the Indianapolis Foundation, celebrating over 100 years of service. My guest tonight will be Tyron Cooper, an amazing musician, vocalist, and songwriter living in Bloomington, Indiana. I'll also be featuring a new edition of my Naptown Hip Hop DNA segment, And tonight, we'll be looking at the music of the Ebony Rhythm Funk campaign. But first, I want to offer a quick tribute to the legendary Indianapolis jazz drummer, Mad Harold Caldwell, who passed away earlier this week. Mad Harold is best known for his work with the jazz guitarist Grant Green. Mad Harold recorded and toured with Grant Green in the late 1960s and early 70s. Mad Harold also held down a long collaboration with the Indianapolis Vibes player, Billy Wooten. Mad Harold performed and recorded with Wooten-led groups like the 19th Hole and Wooden Glass. And we're listening to Wooden Glass in the background now. And I want to play a quick excerpt of an interview I recorded this week with Indianapolis jazz pianist Kenny Sims. In the 1970s, Kenny led the jazz fusion group Merging Traffic. Kenny told me that Mad Harold sat in with the group on several occasions, and he offered these thoughts on the life of Mad Harold. He was a different guy and a different drummer. He left an impression on all the musicians here. You, if you just look at Facebook this week, it's just unreal, the beautiful, from everybody, comments, you know. Um, Cause Mad was just, he wasn't, if you didn't know him in his early days, you missed the real mad, you know, uh, the real player, the real fiery guy, because as, as, you know, the cancer started uh, taking its toll, you know, he kind of wound down. The last gig he did with me was uh, at a uh, fundraiser, and I I was trying to get him to play a song in 5-4, and he couldn't even hear 5-4. That's how flowing his style is but once we started playing the song whatever he put there <laughs> it worked but it wasn't 5-4 I don't know what it was <laughs> now that's Matt Harrow yeah. Matt Harrow was uh, he was a glass he was a water filled glass type guy that was Indianapolis jazz pianist Kenny Sims sharing his thoughts on the life of the legendary Indianapolis jazz drummer Mad Harold Caldwell Mad Harold passed away earlier this week, and I want to send my thoughts out to all his friends and family. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. Tyron Cooper will be my guest tonight. But before I welcome Tyron onto the show, 
I want to feature another edition of a new segment I started last week called Hip Hop DNA. In this ongoing segment, I'll be examining the Indiana roots of classic hip hop songs and beats. And today we're going to focus our attention on the Ebony Rhythm Funk Campaign. The group started their career in the late 1960s as the Ebony Rhythm Band. After a few years on the Indianapolis scene, the group headed west for California, changed their name to the Ebony Rhythm Funk Campaign, and recorded their debut LP for Uni Records in 1973. Fast forward to 1989, the New York hip-hop group Third Base were producing their debut record, The Cactus Album. And that album featured in-house production from Third Base's MC Search and Pete Nice with assistance from Public Enemy's Bomb Squad and Prince Paul of De La Soul fame. And the Cactus album featured two prominent samples from Ebony Rhythm Funk Campaign's 1973 debut release. Here's the intro to Ebony Rhythm's Get It On. And here's the intro to the Prince Paul-produced third bass track, Brooklyn Queens. The second Ebony Rhythm track sampled by third bass on their Cactus album is titled Get On Off Me. Sanity. Okay, this is take two. Third bass sampled Lester Johnson's sliding bass line for the track Product of the Environment. We just heard two hip-hop samples featuring the legendary Indianapolis band Ebony Rhythm Funk Campaign. In 2015, I spoke to Ebony Rhythm bassist Lester Johnson. We talked about the band's sessions for their first LP and his thoughts on sampling. In 1973, you released an album with Uni Records, mm -hmm. which was a big label. Elton John was on Uni Records, right. Neil Diamond. I mean, huge. The MCA group. Right, a huge, huge pop stars on this label. And you release a record produced by Wayne Henderson mm -hmm. of the Jazz Crusaders, who is right. a great musician. Right. Uh, how did all that come about, your relationship with that Uni? That all came about. We were playing... Uh, we were playing in West, West Hollywood at uh, Bernie Casey's uh, Citadel de Haiti, a big nightclub on, on Hollywood Boulevard. And we were playing there after hours every Friday and Saturday after we got done with our club gig called Jeffy's at Jeffy's Lounge in Compton. So we would drive from Compton to, to Hollywood on Friday and Saturday nights to play. So anyhow, what happened was, we ran into an old friend of ours, a uh, bass player, and um, he introduced us to, to Wayne Henderson. And he, uh, Wayne came out to hear the band at uh, the Citadel, and he was blown away. He loved it. Let's jump ahead in the conversation. I asked Lester how he felt hearing the songs from his debut album sampled on Third Bass's record. Um, 
I was flattered because they used it. I was kind of bummed because I didn't get paid. Yes. <laughs> Understandable. How do you feel about sampling in general? Do you think that's a valid music-making technique? I do not use sampling. I play along. I, I've become adept with sequencing, and I do use it in the studio. I don't like to do it much live, mainly because as a musician, I like to interact. I can interact with a loop or a sequence, but it cannot interact with me. So for me, it's kind of like uh, some of those things I will use. Now, when I sample, I tend not to sample music at all. If I sample, it will be something that will be a natural artifact, like wind, noises, mm. sounds of nature. I will sample and use these kinds of things sparingly for things that I think that I can integrate them into a project for realism. But as far as sampling other people's music, I don't personally do it. All right, let's listen to Ebony Rhythm Funk Campaign's original 1973 recording of Get It On. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. My guest tonight is Tyron Cooper, a two-time Emmy Award-winning composer and former director of the IU Soul Review. Tyron is also an assistant professor in the African American and African Diaspora Studies Department at Indiana University Bloomington, and he holds an MA in Jazz Studies and PhD in Ethnomusicology, both from Indiana University. Tyron is also an incredible performer, vocalist, songwriter, and guitarist. I first saw Tyron perform last year at the Palladium. He opened for Dr. John, and I was blown away by his sound, which contained elements of soul, gospel, bossa nova, and folk music. Let's listen to an example of Tyron's work from his small studio session here at WFYI. This is Tyron Cooper with Let Us Reason. Let us reason.
I'll kneel right here with you. I, I'ma pray for you, my blue. I bet your kids in love with you. Uh, my kids, they love me too. But you wouldn't know, no, no. You wouldn't know, cause we don't talk enough. You wouldn't know, we can't see eye to eye. I, I realize, I realize, ooh, you don't know me. Why don't you just talk to me? I'm not so bad, my brother, won't you see? Come closer to me and let us reason, yeah. You don't know me. I'm a human full of love. Created from above like you, my brother. We should talk more to each other. Let us reason. We should talk more to each other, baby. We should talk more to each other, baby. Let us reason. Oh, we should get to know each other more better, baby. Here we go. Hey! I'm Kyle Long. And you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. We just heard Let Us Reason from Tyron Cooper's small studio session here at WFYI. Let's join my conversation with Tyron as he tells us about his roots in gospel music with his family group, the Cooper Singers. I started actually playing music uh, at around four years old. My father uh, was and is a guitarist. My mom uh, is a vocalist. she plays some some piano and she also plays some some blues guitar, if you would. Uh, and so I grew up uh, myself and, and my siblings. It's uh, they had six children and all five boys and one girl. And uh, we grew up touring the southeast coast uh, as the Cooper singers singing gospel music. And that was one of the I, I think when I think about getting into music, that was the primary uh, experience that got me started and that really I think that was my schooling for music in terms of understanding what music is supposed to do uh what music how how music is supposed to convey deep meaning and how music is supposed to transform the people who hear the music for the better and we did you know when people think about gospel music they often think about the spiritual component of gospel music but then there is a social component of gospel music or if you would social commentary about uh, gospel music this is one song that was uh, I think it was by the Pilgrim Jubilees I, I believe it was oh how I wish the day would come when uh, sisters and brothers would be at one as one oh what a day what a beautiful day these songs were written in times of kind of social upheaval and um, these are gospel tunes and so gospel is not only this religious expression but it's also this social political expression this, and, that, and this is nothing new it goes back as far as 18th and 19th century Negro spirituals you know the idea that uh, the enslaved uh, black folk who were living at that time would make these expressions that would not only look to heaven, but also to the north for freedom. <laughs> you know, so it was a spiritual and a uh, social cultural uh, expression. And, and so that's what I grew up understanding kind of almost by default in a real intuitive way, traveling with the Cooper singers uh, during that time. So I did that literally from four years old up until the time I'd went to college and in fact when I visit home even now 
uh, on occasion, we'll still get together and, and do a little concert and the community will still come out and, and support us. Uh, so the Cooper singers still live on. Uh, I never I never forget my route, uh, where I came from, uh, because that, they still keep me grounded uh, as a human being, also artistically. You know, I go to, I've gone to school and gotten three degrees, my, the, the bachelor's in music education, jazz studies, master's degree, and a PhD in ethnomusicology. But when I go home, I'm not Tyron Cooper, the scholar. I'm, you know, you better be able to get down. You better move beyond the book. So that's the Cooper Singers. Then I went on to uh, Bethune-Cookman. It was Bethune-Cookman College at that time. It's now Bethune-Cookman University, and I got my music education degree. Um, and and, and to, 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 to back up, I grew up in the Church of God in Christ, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, black Pentecostal denomination uh, in, in the United States. And uh, in that church, it's a highly artistic environment. Uh, I grew up in in, 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 in in the church where on any given Sunday, if the drummer didn't show up, then you're the drummer. If the bass player didn't show up, then you're the bass player. If the organist didn't show up, then you, you better learn how to, you know, do something on the organ. So so I grew up where in an environment where everybody was uh, kind of multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist. And so I kind of got it honest with, especially with the rhythm section instruments that I play all the rhythm section instruments, that's what we grew up doing that was it was you were just expected to do so it was a kind of tacit understanding so with that cooper singers finally learning how to read music when i went to college because all of that prior my, my musical background prior to then was all oral tradition you know, we didn't have charts we didn't have notes on the staff we had our ears and our heart and uh, our understanding of uh, uh the cultural expectations uh towards what we were doing and how people expected the music to move, not only us, but them as well, most importantly. So it was all oral tradition, and I didn't learn how to read music until I went to college. So that's basically my trajectory, of course, going from from Bethune-Cookman College to uh, Indiana University with a master's degree and uh, then the Ph.D. in ethnomusicology. And all of those, every level has its own story in terms of how I got there. None of those educational experiences did I plan to do in my life? In fact, I was a horrible high school student. And so I didn't know what I would do in undergrad or, or I didn't know what, what to do after high school. And so a lot of things just happened, happened to be in the right places at the right times. And I happened to be ready for the opportunity, even though I might not have been prepared for it, but I was willing and obedient. So that's, 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 that's kind of my story in a nutshell. up in Florida, you attended college in Florida, mm -hmm. and then you made the move up north here to Indiana. And am I correct that it was the great Indianapolis jazz legend, David Baker, that invited you to, to IU? Is that correct? Someone told me that that was the, the, what led you to Indiana. What led me to Indiana, when I was at Bethune-Cookman College, there was this uh, humanities conference. It was a conference that invited a guest speaker every, uh, every year. And that particular year, which was my uh, senior year, I guess it was my senior year, yeah, and there was uh, 
Dr. James Mumford, who was then the director of Indiana University African American Choral Ensemble, he was the guest speaker, the keynote speaker for that uh, conference. And Dr. Hiram Powell, who at that time was the chairperson of the music department at Bethune-Cookman College, he called me that m the morning of the, st of, of the uh, initial day of the conference. I think it might have been a three-day conference or something like that. I'm not sure exactly how long it was. But he said, put on a shirt and tie. And you're, you know, you're down south, so you got to put on a shirt and tie and come over and play the opening song to this conference. So I went over and I played uh, Body and Soul, I believe it's by Coleman Hawkins. And I, when I got done, long story short, Dr. Mumford asked me, would I like to go to graduate school? Now, at that time, I had, you know, I, again, I was uh, gaining a, a, a degree in music education. So I was I, my thought was that I would teach on during the week and then I would t maybe tour with some type of artist during the weekend. That was that was it. That was my ultimate goal at that time. But uh, he told me about grad school and I came up for grad school. Actually, I came up that summer to, to came to IU that summer of my senior year. I think it was. Yeah. The summer of my senior year to do my research for my senior thesis paper. And that's when I met Professor David Baker to answer your question. He heard me playing, uh, performing in a uh, concert with, it was five guitars. I met Brazilian guitarist Marcos Cavalcante, who became my, my teacher in grad school, Professor Bill Banfield, who was then the IU Soul Review director, and it was a couple of other guitar players, fantastic guitar players. So ben, Bill Banfield, it was, it, was, it was a concert called Bill and Friends. And it was guitar players, and David Baker's happened, happened to be sitting in the audience, and he came up to me after the concert and said, hey, want to go to grad school? So it was two people from IU that initiated that, and uh, he gave me a scholarship. Uh, ended up playing in his band. I played also in uh, actually Pat, Pat Harbison's band at that uh, at my initial stages in grad school and ended up playing in David Baker's band. It was just a great experience. I just, David Baker really changed the way that I thought about music. Uh, he made it all. He he just he uh, he drew the links for us. He connected the dots. You know, he could be talking about Beethoven's third, you know, the, the third symphony, the, the Eroica, and he would connect the dots between Eroica and 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 and, and, and you know uh, Charlie Parker or uh, Straight No Chaser or something. You know, like it. You know, he would just connect the dots. Dizzy Gillespie from 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 classical to jazz, from jazz to soul, from 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 soul to gospel. Uh, and then I, the thing about uh, that I loved about David Baker, Professor Baker, is that he was not afraid to ask questions. Is is is. But he was an encyclopedia at the time. And I remember being in the elevator with him and he asked me about it. It was a hit song at that time. Um, uh, total Praise, a gospel song by Richard Smallwood. And he said, hey, man, you know, tell me about this Total Praise. What, What is up with that song? I, I like that song. I mean, he just, he was, here he is, the guru asking me a question. So that let me know he was, he was always learning. You know, he was a true erudite. You know, he was always learning. And so that let me, it kind of continued to put me on this path to always kind of be learning, always learning something, always being, my wife thinks I'm sometimes, uh, on 10 all the time with trying to learn something because I can be up at night on Google and just trying to go all, you know, just w what don't I know? And and that's a lifelong process. I, I'll be doing that all my life. So anyway, that's how I got to IU. And Tyron, you mentioned when you got your uh, bachelor's degree at Bethune that your kind of goal, your the way the way you saw things playing out, you'd teach 
during the week and mm -hmm. then in your off time you know tour with artists and perform mm -hmm. with artists and that seems like you've definitely attained that goal I want to mention some of the artists that uh, you've either performed recorded with or collaborated with mm -hmm. in some way like Diana Ross mm -hmm. Dionne Warwick Bo Diddley Max Roach I mean it's an extraordinary li extraordinary list taste of honey confunction just just huge list of iconic mm -hmm. musicians in a variety of genres uh, that's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, I've been blessed to have different types of experiences. And, you know, even the artists that you just called out, you know, uh, either I've performed with them on the live stage or I've, you know, maybe laid a track for their recordings or, uh, you know, you know, it's just so many different contexts that you get to interact with different artists. I would never forget, you know, uh, working with Max Roach was a really cool experience. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. My guest tonight is Tyron Cooper. Let's take a break and listen to another track from Tyron's small studio session here at WFYI. This next song is about a whole lot of things going on in the world, in our country today. A lot of these songs are, in fact, these songs are kind of uh, taken from a little compilation that I'm working on called Blues for the Times. Just kind of thinking about and mulling over the things that have been going on in our country, social, political, economic, so many dimensions of our country uh, that we are challenged and having various struggles. But at the same time, you know, I, I feel like there's some triumph in this thing because it gives us a moment uh, to, to really think about what it is we want out of life and how we go about engaging in each other to get those things. This next song is really, though, about the homicide that's been just gripping our country. The homicides and the murders and the, the hatred that's been gripping the world. Well, there's a solution. Stop. <laughs> just stop. Look at all these killings over here. Look at all these killings over there. Something about all these killings. All the blood is red. All the blood is red. Look at all these mamas crying. Crying for the babies dying. Something about all these mamas crying. All their children's blood is red. All the blood is red. So stop the killing, y'all. Killing y'all. Stop the killing y'all. Cause all the blood is red. All the blood is
crying for just one. So let's cry for the one dead and the one who shot the gun. No sense in yelling for bodies dead, cause all the blood is red. All the blood is red. Ain't no celebration over here. And though it looks like a celebration, ain't no laughing over there. Cause everybody knows with tears in their eyes and dread that all the blood is red. All the blood is red. So stop the killing y'all oh yes stop the killing y'all stop the killing y'all cause all the blood is red all the blood is You're listening to Cultural Manifesto. My guest tonight is Tyron Cooper. You can find his music online at iTunes and Amazon, and you can find Tyron on Facebook under Art Salad Productions. In this next segment, I asked Tyron about his 2014 recording of Strange Fruit with vocalist Marietta Simpson. And this is about an incident that happened in Marion, Indiana, a very haunting song. It was a lynching that happened in, in Marion, Indiana. And, Tell yeah. us about your approach to this to this song and, and the performance we're going to hear. No, you know, when you think about Marion, Indiana in 1930, you know, th- there's a picture that uh, when you think of, when you look at documentaries, oftentimes they show this picture of Marion, Indiana, that particular lynching. And they 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 attribute this this particular photo to like lynching in the South. All the time I see this photo, but it was in Marion, Indiana. Racial discrimination and so forth, uh, 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 inequality was going on all over America. 
we like to attribute these these types of things in the South. Uh, lynchings were going on all over America. It just wasn't the Southern way. And so this particular song, which Billie Holiday over 75 years ago took a big chance with her career singing this song in clubs and, in fact, you know, the song being blacklisted and so forth, I went, went through a lot. And this, and there's nothing new in the careers of, if I, if I can, you know, speaking for African-American artists, being blackballed in the industry. Paul Robinson was blackballed. Uh, 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 James Brown, 1968. 19, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, and I'm proud. That song gave him grief, you know, because radio didn't want to play it. So looking at Strange Fruit, when Marietta, and Marietta Simpson, I think, you, you know, we, we, you should know, she's a, actually she's a professor of voice at uh, Indiana University Jacobs School of Music. Of, of the, I, I believe she's currently in France doing a role. I think, is it France? Yeah, in France, doing a role currently. So she's international. Uh, and uh, she and I have been working together. She's like, uh, you know, uh, she's going she's gonna to get me for this. She's a big sister of mine. And, uh, and, and so we've been working together for a while. And uh, she and I uh, were approached to do Strange Fruit by the people. I think it was the Salt Project. And I'm sorry I don't remember the actual names of the crew. But they approached us to do this song. And it for me... It was an opportunity to not. I, I I I I know Billie Holiday's version. I knew Billie Holiday's version, and I also knew Nina Simone's version, which people kind of sleep on Nina Simone's version. And so we kind of wanted to come right in between the two versions, but at the same time uh, insert our own our own voice. So uh, harmonically, you know, the work that I was doing on the guitar. Uh, uh, kind of extending the voices, but also kind of, and I'm, I may get too theoretical, but kind of more cluster voices, which kind of adds a real warmth to my harmonies. Uh, Marietta voice, she's a mezzo-soprano, so her voice is very warm. Uh, so the tonality, we wanted to keep the tone warm because, again, we're painting a picture of black folk hanging on a tree. That's a hot, it's like a hot moment, if you would. So it's an it's a, it's a urgency that that I think America needed to hear. America, in many ways, still needs to hear that urgency of the other, uh, the impact of the other, the impact of people who are struggling, who have, have, have gone through some things in America that were just inhumane. And so we just really did our best to try to capture that. So we wanted to present that in a way that we don't damage the legacy of Billie Holiday and Nina Simone, but that we contribute to what they've done while at the same time educating and as well as entertaining, but most importantly, making a change for the positive. So that's what that song, that's what it was about for me. Let's pause and listen to Tyron Cooper and Marietta Simpson's 2014 version of Strange Fruit. on the 
I'm Kyle Lone, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. My guest tonight is Tyron Cooper. You can find his music online at iTunes and Amazon, and you can find Tyron on Facebook under the name Art Salad Productions. Let's return to my conversation with Tyron Cooper. And Tyron, I want to move in a completely different direction now and ask you about a record you made, a record you arranged for in 2003. 
It's a indie rock band called Over the Rhine. The record's called Ohio, and it features, I'm asking you about this because the album features some legendary Indianapolis rock and roll musicians like Vess Rutenberg. It was Devin Ashley, the great drummer, Devin Ashley. Uh, it was produced by Paul Mayhern at Echo Park in Bloomington, and Paul Mayhern is a was in a pop, a really important punk band called the Zero Boys in Indianapolis. What do you remember about making this record? And is there a song on there that you feel like you has your fingerprints on it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you do your research. I've never talked about that album, and not because it's not a great album. I loved. It's I remember really going into the studio studio at Echo Park, and I remember because they they wanted. Uh, an arrangement, and I, I'm so sorry that I can't remember the song that I arranged. I arranged the vocals, the background vocals, and I performed them on that song. And I think I played some bass on that song. They might have scratched that track, though. You know, you <laughs> I don't know how good my bass playing was at that time, it, particularly in that style. But I, I remember going in, and uh, I, at, at that time I was directing the Soul Review, so it might have been it was 2003, right? Mm-hmm. So I took a couple of vocalists. One was uh, Stephanie Parker, who's now doing phenomenal work. She's like this international star on cruise ships. She has her own show, and that's pretty major to have your own show, and she's performing to thousands of people, writing her own charts, you know, uh, leading the band, and, I mean, she's doing some major stuff. I got some students out there that are doing I'm so proud of them. You know, it's kind of like they're living out my dream, you know. (laughs) And so... Uh, but I took her in the studio, and it was, I want to say, maybe Elena Williams, who uh, uh, I brought in the studio with me as well. And Elena Williams is currently here in Indianapolis, and she's doing great work. She's one of the premier uh, artists, uh, R&B slash gospel artists here, and she's doing fine. She, I, think, I believe she has a, a, a single project, and she's she's phenomenal. So we went in to the studio, and I'd never heard... They, I'm sorry to say, I did. I have never heard of Over the Rhine before then. They called me up. I can't even remember who how who called me, but somebody called me, and I went into the studio, and and they played the song. And they said, "Hey, well, you know, we need a choir on this." And so right then and there, I just started coming up with vocal parts for the background. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the song. I got the song. The da 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 da. I can't. Let me not even try it. But. We, yeah, we caught, we recorded that at Echo Park Studio. Uh, I remember them kind of just sitting, and I wasn't kind of, sh- I wasn't sure whether I was giving them what they wanted, because again, I'm like, ain't y'all rock? Y'all want a gospel choir? <laughs> what do you, what, like, what is this project? You know, and uh, but it worked. And I, in fact, every once in a while, I'll go and Google that project, and I'll listen to that track online just to you know like that was actually that was actually pretty good that was a pretty good project i really enjoyed it in fact and when when i got through i thought well you know maybe this would be my opportunity to go on the road with them but you know i think they had their whole band and everything was pretty secure with that whole crew but it was a great it was a great experience working with that project i it, it blew me away let's pause and listen to long lost brother from over the rhine featuring our guest tonight tyron cooper Lord, how long, how long 
I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. My guest tonight is Tyron Cooper. Tyron has been self-releasing his music through iTunes and Amazon, and I asked Tyron about his plans for future releases. When people ask me what am I doing musically, I just really, the, the, the true answer is I'm just making what's, what comes to me on any given day. I'm not necessarily uh, uh, catering to a specific labeling in the industry if you would uh i love the way the industry is kind of uh the shape of the industry the structure in the industry or lack thereof now you know because it's giving you know people like myself kind of singer songwriters uh who want to kind of get back to the uh the analog acoustic kind of flavor or who know how to uh uh, marry the digital and analog together in a way that it still has that human inflection. Uh, it, it, the industry is kind of 
making a way for that. Uh, I would say not the industry, but technology, put it that way. And so for me, I'm just making music. And like you were saying, I have so many different types of influences. Uh, and I'm so happy that I can just, you know, I got my studio at home and I just crank out songs. And we're going to conclude tonight's show with a seasonal song from Tyron titled Mary. But first, let's listen to Tyron's explanation of the song. I actually wrote it during that season, but it you can sing it in February. <laughs> it's actually kind of, you actually can do it as a blues. This is Tyron Cooper with Mary. Your child, Mary, what is going 
on with your child It seems like your child is very special Seem like the child is very special Seem like the child is very special It's very special Seem like the child is very special Seem like the child is very special I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. We just heard Mary from Tyron Cooper. You can find more of Tyron's music online at iTunes and Amazon. Let's return to my conversation with Tyron as he shares some final thoughts. I'm trying to be as true to myself as I can. And I'm trying to do it. I don't want to, as they say, where I'm from, put on. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just me. And, I, you know, everybody got a song in their heart, whether they can sing or not. You know, and I want to make those songs that cause people to, uh, to think a little harder about where we are as a people, as a, as a human race. Where are we? Uh, why is it that we don't understand each other better culturally? Can we do better than, can we do better than that? You know, uh, why is it that we have so many problems in every community? You go across either side of the track and somebody is having some issues, but at the, same, at the end of the day, everybody want peace. I'm talking about people who got sense now. People who, you know, get it. You want you want peace and you want love. You want your family to be well taken care of. You want, uh, you know, you want good housing. You want, you know, you know, e- equity and have the things that you need to survive uh, appropriately uh, for the things that you're trying to do for your life and your family and so forth. Everybody wants to have a good life. And everybody should. And then if you work hard, if you respect others, uh then you, you you should you should have a good life, and I and and uh, and so those are the type of songs that I'm trying to write. Tyron, I appreciate you making the trip up here. I have so much respect for what you're doing in Bloomington as an educator and a scholar, and I'm a huge fan of the work you're doing as a performer. I was really touched by your performance in uh, Carmel with Dr. John, and the records you're making are beautiful, classic music. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. Appreciate uh, it, man. Thank you so much, Kyle, for having me. I, 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 this is so. This is such a joyful experience. Thank you. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you to my guest, Tyron Cooper. I'm Kyle Long, and you've been listening to Cultural Manifesto, made possible in part by the Indianapolis Foundation, celebrating over 100 years of service. Oh, yeah, yeah.